Welcome back for another episode of Chew the Bible. It's your good friend Aaron, and we are in Judges chapter nine. A lot happened in Judges eight. A lot happened in Judges eight. Um, man, yeah, go back and read that. The main things are, um. Gideon, yeah, pursues, pursued the rest of the kings of Midian, was able to destroy them. They had plunder. He told them to take all of the plunder and the gold and all that and make earrings and all that and create an ephod. And yeah, apparently it was not a uh, something God had uh, authorized for him to do that. Similar, sounded very similar to what Aaron did. And yeah. He had seventy sons with concubines and yeah, why yeah, with multiple wives and a concubine. And then he had a son named Abimelech. And as we always say, whenever there's multiple wives involved, there's usually some type of issue or problem. It doesn't usually go too well, play out too well in the Bible. And so yeah, Abimelech, his son, which means my father is king means uh apparently yeah of this this uh leadership this authority had kind of gone to uh uh Gideon's head the victory that he had so um anyway yeah it's it's interesting the whole what happened there. Oh yeah, and then all the Israelites ended up prostituting themselves to the uh not only the ephod that that uh um, Gideon had made, but also to Baal. The Baal they started worshiping Baal again in Baal Bereth. And yeah, they went right back to the very thing that Gideon had destroyed earlier and i was just comparing that to how easy it is where it can be in the same way we ask god to um just fix these different things in our lives or get us out of these situations just like the children of israel they cried out to the lord because they were being oppressed by the midianites and so god raises up gideon they just defeat the midianites and then they went right back into the idolatry that they were in before and so we can do the same thing. We ask God to deliver us from these problems, and then we find ourselves falling right back into the same sins and uh, challenges that we had before. All right, chapter 9. Judges chapter 9. Abimelech becomes king. Abimelech, son of Jerubal, Jerubal, went to Shechem and spoke to his uncles and to his mother's whole clan, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the citizens of Shechem. Is it better for you that 70 men, all the sons of Jeroboam, rule over you or that one man rule over you? Remember that I am your own flesh and blood. His mother's relatives spoke all these words about him in the hearing of all the citizens of Shechem. And they were favorable to Abimelech, for they said, he is our brother. So they gave him 70 pieces of silver from the temple of baal Bereth. 
which means yeah little ball literally ball of the covenant or lord of the covenant abimelech used it to hire worthless and reckless men and they followed him abimelech used it to hire worthless and reckless men and they followed him he went to his father's house in ophrah and killed his 70 brothers a son of jeroboam on top of a large stone. Wow. Hold on. Whoa, hold on a second. So the son that he had, the one son that he had with the concubine, goes and kills the seventy sons that he had with his actual with his wives. Crazy. All right, he went to his father's house in Ophrah and killed his 70 brothers, the sons of Jeroboam or Gideon on top. It's interesting that now all before this in in Judges chapter eight, God puts, God puts um, Gideon's name in parentheses whenever it says Jeroboam. And then it puts Gideon in parentheses. But here he stopped putting his name in parentheses. He just says Jeroboam. And remember Gideon's name meant mighty man of valor. Or, uh, yeah, mighty warrior. All right, let's see here. He went, verse 5, he went to his father's house in Ophrah and killed his 70 killed his 70 brothers, the son of Jeroboam, on top of a large stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jeroboam, survived because he hid. Then all the citizens of Shechem, excuse me, and Beth Milo gathered together and proceeded to make Abimelech king at the oak of the pillar in Shechem. Interesting. That Jotham. Who is this Jotham? Or Jotham, however you want to say that. It's always a remnant. Let's see here. All right, Jotham's parable. When they told Jotham, he climbed to the. When they told Jotham, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim, raised his voice, and called to them, "Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, and may God listen to you." The trees decided to anoint a king over themselves. They said to the olive tree, "Reign over us." But the olive tree said to them, should I stop giving my oil that people oil that people used to honor both God and men and rule over the trees? And the tree said to the fig tree, come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I stop? Should I stop giving my sweetness and my good fruit and rule over trees? Later, the tree said to the grapevine. Come and reign over us. But the grapevine said to them, Should I stop giving my wine that cheers both God and man and rule over over trees? Hmm. Fine, verse 14. Finally, all the trees said to the bramble, Come and reign over us. The bramble said to the trees, If you really are anointing me as king over you, come and find refuge in my shade. But if not, may fire come out from the bramble and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Hmm. I'll let Tony uh, clarify that. What's going on there? 
Now, if you have acted faithfully and honestly in making Abimelech king, if you have done well by Jeroboam and his family, and if you have rewarded him appropriately appropriately for what he did, for my father fought for you, risked his life, and rescued you from Midian. And now you have attacked my father's family today, killed his 70 sons on top of a large stone, and made Abimelech the son of his slave woman, Keep keen over the citizens of Shechem because he is your brother. So if you have acted faithfully and honestly with Jeroboam in his house this day, rejoice in Abimelech and may he also rejoice in you. But if you. But if not, may fire come from Abimelech and consume the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and may fire come from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and consume Abimelech. Then Jotham fled, escaping to Beer, and and lived there because of his brother Abimelech. Abimelech's punishment. When Abimelech had ruled over Israel three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem. He ruled there three years. Hmm. God sent an evil spirit. They treated Abimelech deceitfully so that the crime against the 70 sons of Jeroboam might come to justice and their blood would be avenged on their brother Abimelech who killed them and on the citizens of Shechem who had helped him kill his brothers. The citizens of Shechem rebelled against him by putting men in ambush on the tops of the mountains and they robbed everyone who passed by them on the road. So this was reported to Abimelech. Gaul, son of Ebed, came with his brothers and crossed into Shechem and the citizens of Shechem trusted him. So they went out to the countryside and harvested grapes from their vineyards. They trampled the grapes and held a celebration. Then they went to the house of their God and they ate and drank and they cursed Abimelech. Gaul son of Ebed said, who is Abimelech and who is Shechem that we should serve him? Isn't the son of Jeroboam? Isn't he the son of Jeroboam and isn't Zebul his officer? You are to serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If only these people were in my power, I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, gather your army and come out. When Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaul, son of Ebed, he was angry. So he secretly sent messengers to Abimelech, saying, Beware, Gaul, son of Ebed, with his brothers, have come to Shechem and are turning the city against you. Now tonight, you and the troops with you come and wait in ambush in the countryside and then get up early and at sunrise attack the city. When he and the troops who are with him come out against you, do to him whatever you can. So Abimelech and all the troops with him got up at night and waited in ambush for Shechem in four units. Gaul, son of Ebed, went out and stood at the entrance of the city gate. Then Abimelech and the troops who were with him got up from their ambush. When Gaul saw the troops, he said to Zebul, Look, troops are coming down from the mountaintops. But Zebul said to him, The shadows of the mountains look like men to you. Then Gaul spoke again, Look, troops are coming down from the central part of the land, and one unit is coming from the direction of the diviner's oak. Zebul replied, What do you have to say now? You said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Aren't these the troops you despised? Now go and fight them. So Gaul went out, leading the citizens of Shechem, and fought against Abimelech. But Abimelech pursued him, and Gaul fled before him. Numerous bodies were strewn as far as the entrance of the city gate. 
Abimelech stayed in Aruma, and Zebul drove Gaul and his brothers from Shechem. The next day, when the people of Shechem went into the countryside, went into the countryside. This is reported to Abimelech. He took the troops, divided them into three companies, and waited in ambush in the countryside. He looked, and the people were coming out of the city. So he arose against them and struck them down. Then Abimelech and the units that were with him rushed forward and took their stand at the entrance of the city gate. The other two units rushed against all who were in the countryside and struck them down. So Abimelech fought against the city that entire day, captured it, and killed the people who were in it. Then he tore down the city and sowed it with salt. When all the citizens of the tower of Shechem heard, they entered the inner chamber of the temple of el Bereth. Then it was reported to Abimelech that all the citizens of the tower of Shechem had gathered. So Abimelech and all the troops who were with him went up to Mount Zalman. Abimelech took his axe in his hand and cut a branch from the trees. He picked up the branch, put it on his shoulder and said to the troops who were with him, hurry and do what you have seen me do. Each of the troops who also cut his own branch and followed Abimelech. Each of the troops also cut his own branch and followed Abimelech. They put the branches against the inner chamber and set it on fire. About a thousand men and women died, including all the men of the Tower of Shechem. I feel like I barely understand what's going on here, but let's keep reading. Abimelech went to Thebes, camped against it, and captured it. There was a strong tower inside the city, and all the men, women, and citizens of the city fled there. They locked themselves in and went up to the roof of the, of the tower. When Abimelech came to attack the tower, he approached its entrance to set it on fire. But a woman threw the upper portion of a millstone on Abimelech's head and fractured his skull. He quickly called his armor bearer and said to him, draw your sword and kill me or they'll say about me. A woman killed him. So his armor bearer ran him through. And he died. When the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they all went home. In this way, God brought back Abimelech's evil, the evil that Abimelech had done to his father when he killed his 70 brothers. God also brought back to the men of Shechem all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Jerubal, Jeroboam, came upon them. Mm. Wow. Man, it's pretty intense. All right, let's we'll see what Tony got to say about all this. <sighs> Gideon's son, Abimelech, having aspirations to rule, decided to get rid of Gideon's other 70 sons. The competition, he hired worthless men to kill all of them, though one escaped. Don't miss that this deed was carried out on top of a large stone. Since such stones were used as altars, we are to understand that this was human sacrifice. The man literally sacrificed his family for political power. And the local citizens proceeded to make him their king. Gideon's youngest son. I was going to say, it sounds like some like um, Roman Empire type stuff. When I used to read, I watched little documentaries about that stuff and these different rulers that would come into power 
and just all the drama that would happen before Caesar took power. And when Caesar was in power, all the drama that happened with that and the rules that that came after Caesar. Anyway, Gideon's youngest son, Jotham, who had escaped the slaughter, stood on Mount Gerizim, the place of blessing. When he received the news that Abimelech had been named king, he told the people a parable about how the trees were looking for a leader to rule over them. Finally, in their desperation to be ruled, the trees asked the bramble, a thorn bush, to lead them. <laughs> Basically comparing uh, Abimelech to a thorn bush. Importantly, the bramble is unproductive and is a symbol of the curse. To be called a bramble was no compliment. To have put one in leadership was stupid. Mm. Unproductive. A bush. The bramble effectively said, if you don't let me rule over you like I want, I will destroy you. It's Judges 9.15. That was Jotham's warning that Abimelech planned to rule the people with totalitarian authority, which is an illegitimate use of rule, biblically speaking. He wouldn't share power with God. He'd simply destroy anyone who opposed him. Let's keep going. Notice who did the action. God and the devil do not battle as equals. God is sovereign. Satan is not. God can use the devil to mess up a situation that is offensive to his will. The leaders of Shechem hold up, hold up in the temple of the leaders of Shechem hold up in the temple of Elbereth, meaning God of the covenant, because they thought the God of their syncretic religion would protect them when Abimelech set fire. Let me see here. I'm, I don't think I've ever seen that word to you, so I'm going to look it up. I have an idea of what it is, but like synchrony, like in sync. Characterized or brought about by a combination of different forms of belief or practice. What is an example of syncretic? Examples of strongly syncretist, romantic, and modern movements with some religious elements include mysticism, occultism, Theosophical society, modern astrology, neo-paganism, and the New Age movement. So characterized or brought about by a combination of different forms of belief or practice. So like, yeah, all these different beliefs act as one. We definitely see that a lot now. Syncretism is the combining of different beliefs and various schools of thought. Syncretism involves the merging of assimilation of several mythologies or, or religions, thus asserting an underlying unity and allowing for an inclusive approach to other faiths. So that's yeah, definitely what we see in today in modern day society, this syncretism everywhere, even in amongst some churches. It's happening more and more. This whole yeah. All right. <laughs> Where was I? Where was I? Where did I? Okay. I'll read that again. The leaders of Shechem hold up in the temple of Elbereth, meaning God of the covenant, 
because they thought the God of their syncretic religion would protect them. They thought the God of their syncretic religion would protect them. When Abimelech set fire to the temple and everyone died, there could be no doubt that this so-called deity was powerless. Thus Jotham's curse, thus Jotham's curse, may fire come from Abimelech and consume the citizens of Shechem, was fulfilled. As the people of Thebes huddled on the roof of their tower for protection against invasion, Abimelech attacked. A woman above him threw the upper portion of a millstone on Abimelech's head. As Abimelech realized the severity of his injuries, he called on his right-hand man to kill him so that people cannot say that he had been killed by a girl. Though his armor-bearer obeyed, Scripture reports the truth of his embarrassing end. Righteous Jotham had gone to the place of blessing and called on God to show justice. And in his perfect timing, God dealt with the situation. At work here is a sobering spiritual principle. Oh, sorry, I'm reading ahead. I'll stop there. That's for chapter 10. I'll just think I'm going to just read. I should be able to knock out Judges 10 and 11, then I'll stop. Top on this Romans road. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the weight of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And then Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Man, that was very convicting, just reading that. It's amazing. It's like God knows us. He knows He knows the end of our stories. It's like God knew that Gideon all the He knew that was gonna eventually go God knew it was gonna go to his head. And that's exactly what happened. And then we see the fruit of Gideon's Man, Gideon's pride played out through his son Abimelech, who ends up trying to build a dynasty and be king, build his own dynasty and not the dynasty of God, and ultimately ends up killing his 70, tries to kill all the brothers when one of them is left behind, Jotham. Once again, it's just how easy, once again, I identify with Gideon, 
how many times I was just having a conversation with my brother about this. It's like how yeah. In business and entrepreneurship having these strong desires to wanna like build your own kingdom here on earth, like your own dynasty, whatever, there's there's a pull to it rather than like promoting God's kingdom and his dynasty and his legacy. There's a there's a spirit of the new age and then and I found myself getting caught up in it at times where you're concerned about building your own legacy rather than building the legacy of the Lord and building on that firm foundation. And I didn't, I didn't catch it earlier, but I'm just, I thought it was weird when he said it too, because if you notice back in Judges chapter eight, is it eight or seven? Yeah, here it goes. They held their torches in their left hands, their trumpets in their right hands, and shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Like, I'm surprised Tony Evans didn't say anything about this, but something about that doesn't sit with me right. Like, he said that same phrase before, earlier, where it's like, we're doing this for God and we're doing it for Gideon. Somehow, yeah, like Gideon was being promoted in this. He was promoting himself here. Seems prideful for Gideon to promote himself here. Alongside. God, like these are the early seeds of pride. This is like an early, an early seed of pride that would lead to Abimelech. And that was said before earlier, how multiple times I spelled Abimelech wrong. Abimelech. How God knew that they would try to take credit when the Israelites won battles. I don't know. Something to just let stew for a while and marinate. How easy it is to fall into pride. Even when we heal somebody, like say God gave me the ability to heal folks. And how quickly you can say like, oh, I have this great gift of healing or... Look at my church. Like we are, we heal folks here, you know, and it becomes more about the church than about God doing the healing. So. Mm, man, pride is, can creep in so quickly and so easily and so like stealthily.
Alright, y'all. Let's go to... Let's go ahead and go to Judges 9. I mean, Judges 10. 